So this is a continuation of point two of the circuit mind training, Lojong it's called in Tibetan, mind training. And uh, so here we've arrived at um, a set of instructions relating to how we can train the mind, train ourselves in um, absolute bodhicitta, which is a, um, you could say, a direct insight into the nature of reality. And because we have that direct uh, insight into the nature of reality, it's, it's, uh, we don't need to um, uh, continue suffering or add on more to our suffering. Well, it's like seems like quite a lofty, lofty place to be. But um, just remember that um, with this seven-point mind training, before we even start on it, uh, we had the uh, preliminary practices, the foundational practices. So again, it's assumed that we've done that. We've done the ethics, practicing ethics. We've done mindfulness of breathing. We've done uh, all sorts of other practices. So it's assumed that we know those practices. So there's a level of... Um, um, knowledge assumed and a level of training already assumed before we start doing this and particularly with this point um, training in absolute bodhicitta um, it might be harder to do with a mind that's uh, very much occupied by our daily lives we've had busy lives we've got our work we've got our all sorts of things happening with other people so the mind can be quite crowded and the mind isn't always in a place in a state that you could be quite lucid and quite clear. So I think in our in our very busy modern lives, particularly, it's it might be harder sometimes to um, to have that clear mind space that's needed to see this uh, directly, to see this um, what we're going to talk about directly. So I just thought I'd I'd say that. So don't worry if you don't see it right now. You might just have to go. Uh, and, and try to do it again, or maybe um, a retreat context would actually be much more suitable than you'd have some practices that calm the mind, you might have a bit more space, the mind becomes a bit calmer and clearer, and those are actually more ideal uh, conditions to, to look at the, uh, the stuff that we're addressing in this uh, absolute bodhicitta uh, part of um, the seven point mind training. So I just thought I'd, uh, I'd say that uh, before we start with it. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to look at this um, point, the insubstantiality of mind? Well, firstly, what we could start doing is um, look directly at uh, what is coming up in the mind. So there's all sorts of stuff coming up in the mind. There's thoughts, there's memories, there's, there's emotion. Anything that at the moment is going going on in the mind, all of that stuff, you could say they're a bit like shapes maybe even, they're, you could say they're a bit like forms. So just all the, all everything that's going on right now for us in the mind, yeah? Does that, yeah? I see some notes that satisfies me. <laughs> so we can start looking at the nature of all these all these instances of mind objects, let's call them mind objects that are coming up. So there could be some sort of interpretation, there could be sort of thoughts, there could be any any of that nature. So if we start looking at those thoughts, uh, those emotions that are coming up, and we start to try to examine them more closely, 
we can often find that as we start even examining them more closely, they seem to be falling apart already. We're starting to look at them and they seem to be starting to fall apart. So usually the problem is that there is reality going on, there's all sorts of stuff coming up in the mind and we seem to want to fix that. So we seem to, so reality is all flow, but somehow our minds want to create these, these solid, sort of almost touchable objects of it. So I think that's, I just like to offer that. Maybe let's just that's, that sink in a bit more. So I've, I think I've noticed this, uh, I've used this example before. Just suppose you have this symphony, you're listening to the, sym the symphony, creating an interpretation or thought, a thought that comes up in us often in our minds as we're listening to the symphony is a bit like us trying to grab a note and trying to hold on to it. So it just doesn't work. Because reality isn't like that. Reality, the reality is, is everything is connected, everything is flowing, everything is constantly shifting and changing. But yet, what our mind seems to be doing constantly is like creating a neat little package of, of our experience and starting to, to put it in a little pigeonhole, as it were, starting to kind of uh, turn it into categories. So that's what our mind seems to be doing. So I was saying that earlier as well, it's, it seems like every thought is like an afterthought because reality has already happened and then we have a thought about it, yeah? So there's a bit of a discrepancy there, if you see what I mean. So if we start looking at those um, uh, mind objects, we often think that they're solid, but if we're starting to pay close, close attention to them, we find they're not solid. They're, they don't have an edge. They don't have anything solid to them. The moment they're arising, they're actually already disappearing and dissolving again. So this is what we're looking at uh, in, in terms of absolute bodhicitta. We're looking at seeing all these mind objects for what they are, which is actually they're just like a dream. They're just like a dream. It's not, it's not reality, it's just our interpretations of it. So, and often what happens is we're starting to get ensnared in these thoughts and interpretations, and somehow that means that we're sort of falling asleep and we're not present and awake in what's happening, because we get sort of completely involved in all these constructions. Uh, mind-made um, uh, elaborations. So that is uh, what I wanted to say about that. So seeing the nature of these mind objects, that they're not solid, we think they're solid, and because we think they're solid, they're actually true, we think a thought comes up and we think this thought is completely true, well the thoughts can't be inherently true. Just wait a few seconds and there they go again. So that's what you're looking at um, in, uh, in uh, Absolute Bodhicitta. But what you're also looking at in uh, Absolute Bodhicitta is um, looking at um, the mind itself. So we've been looking at mind objects, that's all the occurrences, uh, everything that we're experiencing, which is real, but we, because we're experiencing it, it is real. And we're also looking at um, the, you could say the space, in which all these thoughts occur, 
all these emotions, all this experience, where does it all happen? So that is, you could say, the, the nature of mind. So you can look at that as well. Where, where is that happening? Does it have a color? Does it have limits? Does it have an edge? So that is something else that we can be looking at into uh, the, the nature, the nature of, uh, of mind. And then we can also start to look at an object is coming up. Okay, we have an object, we might have some sort of mind, maybe a space maybe, in which the object is coming up. So can you actually find somebody, when you're looking into this space, we're looking at the mind space here, can you actually find somebody there who is absorbing this thought, who is thinking this thought, who, is, who has created or produced this thought. So you're starting to look at the thinker or the observer or the person who is perceiving. And then you'll find, uh, when you look really deeply and closely, that you can't find anybody there, because you can f you'll find after, uh, this is what the tradition says, and, and this might be what our experiences or ex our examination is going to say, you might find that you can't find anybody who is thinking, because the thinker or the observer is just another thought. And this probably does sound quite abstract, I don't know, because we do think that everything is so, so solid. This is how we perceive perceive the world and somehow we think the world of the mind is the same but it isn't the world of the mind doesn't have any limits and you can't find anything there there isn't anything solid there there isn't anything there fixed there isn't anything there that has a particular shape that has a particular color so whilst we are trying to find that looking at that we could find that we can't find anything there and in that there is a liberation. There's a liberation that comes with not being able to find that because we, we assume, we construct this, this entity and uh, this self that is observing things, that's seeing things. We're just assuming, just because I see some something is there, that there must be like a little kind of being in my head somewhere that is perceiving that. But if you look more deeply into the nature of experience, you can just see there's just a thought arising, there's a perception arising, and it's passing away as well. And then at some point, when we're looking at this, we're looking at the mind objects, we're looking at uh, the nature of mind, we'll see if we start to examine this closely and we train ourselves in looking into this um, uh, material, into these instructions, you might find that no instructions are needed because you just see it directly. So that is another uh, instruction in the mind training. You can, at some point you can just drop all the training because you're just seeing things. It's a bit like you've, you've taken, you've taken your, your, uh, your, your shades off, your, your sunglasses or whatever. Whatever was uh, distorting your perception has been taken off and you can see directly. Do you mean see directly? Yes. We'll talk about it later. Thank you. <laughs> But the idea is with these investigations or this research into the nature of mind that um, we're uh, able to uh, relax more and more and more and relax more and more, more and more able to just be with uh, 
our experience be with reality, without trying to, to fix it, to put it into boxes, without constructing this, this imaginary uh, observer, and that we get more and more and more relaxed uh, in our experience, that we can be more and more relaxed when we're in the world, when we're meditating, when we're interacting with other people. So then we can rest in a state of um, that's free from this uh, elaboration, mental elaboration, conceptual elaboration. And we're not um, chasing after thoughts that are taking us away from the present moment. So it's a bit like a disentangling of a, of a knot that's... that's, that's uh, it's a bit like you know wool or something that's been completely become completely entangled. We are trying to unravel it and trying to relax more and more and more and more until, until we've unraveled it and it's clear. So that's the idea, and uh, we can practice with these instructions uh, on the cushion, but we can also uh, practice with these instructions off the cushion. So in a given uh, situation, a uh, thought comes up, we might want to ask ourselves, uh, is, this, is this, uh, this thought true? Is this thought true? Does this thought have any inherent truth value? We could just uh, think about, okay, I see this person, they're having a particular face, I think, oh, this person really doesn't like me. This person doesn't like me. And then you can start acting from that thought, but you see, it's just a thought. So if you can see that in the moment that it arises, this person really doesn't like me, just, it's just a thought, just let it go, just see it for what it is. And then, you see what I mean, then you won't, you won't respond from, from that habitual, uh, you know, you start to kind of think, you start to kind of treat that person with a bit of a distance, or you might kind of pull your own face, oh, I don't like you either, you see what I mean? So you won't get into all of that, you can just relax, you can just relax with that whole, just have an open space. So, um, we're going to try out some of these reflections, um, uh, and uh, so anybody who might be looking at this or listening to this might be want to do the same.